From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in artsy, educated Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this roundtable episode, our topics are Westworld as a video game, how to recognize and create great crafting systems, and designing games for non-gamers. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Holy crap, guys. We made it to two episodes. Wow. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think so. It's, this means that there's, you know, no stopping us. Yeah, we kind of have to keep going now. I mean, there's <laughs> the second one now. We can't stop. Right, right. That's how it's it's ob- obligatory now. <laughs> obligatory well, we're getting, second. it's against the law to stop. It's well, we, we've told people, and so we can't let them down. Oh, crap. They expect something from us. I know. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. Imposter syndrome was last episode. Oh, right, guys. right, right. <laughs> Right. We did. Did we solve that one? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. We cured it. I'm pretty sure we cured it for everyone. Okay. Well, <laughs> back at it. Nice Games Club. Uh, there was a bit, a bit of news that we uh, wanted to share about uh, Minnesota Game Dev. Right. Yes. We made a Twitter bot. We did. So, uh, Steven, Twitter. You want to talk a little bit? This was your guys' idea. It, yeah. I mean, well, we, I, I think we came to the conclusion that like the, the same time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. So yeah, you can use the hashtag MNGameDev on Twitter, and there's a bot that will retweet you. So it's a free retweet. MN Game Dev. (laughs) MN Game Dev. MN Game Dev. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a bot that will retweet you. Uh, I mean, so it's a free retweet, which is pretty cool. And there's already a few people following. Yeah, and the idea is to sort of, you know, I mean, right now it's a pretty simple Twitter bot. We're trying to do more with it. Um, So stay tuned for that. And if you're on Twitter and you're you're in MN, MN Game Dev. Yeah. Rad. (laughs) All right, you guys want to get into today's topics? Let's do it. Okay, this first one, this one's one that I've been wanting to do since the idea for the show started, which is uh, Westworld as a video game. So um, no spoilers here. So if you're not caught up on episodes, like none of us are, like we're a couple behind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, uh, it's been written a lot about that uh, Westworld, uh, um, which if you haven't seen it, it's an HBO original series about an amusement park in the far future where um, you, it's sort of like a it's like a Disney World but it's full of animatronics and so all of the characters all, but it's basically an, a sandbox game right wouldn't you sort of describe it that way yeah pretty much and that that comparison uh, was sort of pretty obvious to a lot of people watching it and um, not only did it feel kind of like a world you step into and like a sandbox game but a lot of the conventions and characters and situations really sort of lined up with that genre um, also there is literally lots of sand they're in the desert. Oh. <laughs> I think they're only limited to that box. Yeah. <laughs> you too. All right. um, and I mean, it's a super interesting series. I know uh, that, you know, Stephen and I, we were getting together and watching it um, from time to time. Martha, you've given up on it, right? Well, you might be able to convince me to come back. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can prepare that pitch later. Um, but, um, but apart from like the you know, interesting plot and incredible acting and like way too many nude people because it's HBO, yeah. I mean, eh, it's a little silly. Mm-hmm. But um, aside from that, all the, the, the sort of the gaming conventions are really interesting. And one of the, the main things that you notice right in the pilot episode is like NPC quest givers. It's true, right? Yes. Yeah, there's the, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, oh goodness! She's you know like, what, I mean, what's her name? She catch, she picks up the can in the beginning. Oh, spoiler! Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, it's like in the first episode. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was it's the main um, Dolores, one of the main characters. Dolores, thank you. Um, I'm kind of the original, as she said. The original, yes. So, like, she's a main quest giver. If you pick up the can, she sends you on a journey. 
Right, and there's this great scene in the second episode. Um, we, uh, so new characters come into the park, and um, one of them's uh, been to the park uh, at least once before, and the other one hasn't. So he's sort of showing him around. And uh, this old guy falls off a wagon, and our, our you know, our uh, white-hatted, you know, uh, uh, newcomer, you know, try, helps him up. And the guy's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, stranger." Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the experienced game player is like, "No, no, no, don't get sucked into that. He's just going to give you some mission to go on." Which really feels like, I mean, I'm not as familiar with open world games, but that struck me like obviously, mm-hmm. just like that is exactly what that is. Yeah, and a lot of that's really interesting because it's it might seem novel, but if you're writing this series in 2016, like how else would you write it? Yeah, and right. That yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just uh, pull stuff from because I mean, effectively, Westworld is a video game, and like really, it really kind of was back then when it was first created as a movie. Um, I mean, people are going into uh, as an escapist sort of way, yeah, to, like to escape their normal everyday life um, and be something that they aren't able to be you know, regularly. And so it 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 lends itself very well to video games. It's practically the same thing. Yeah, what's interesting that's sort of that idea of the 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 escape, escapism, right? So I think the original movie, which I'm I'm like a sort of fan of, like I appreciate it, but mm-hmm. it's like it falls on its face in the third act it just becomes a chase scene yeah. um people have said it's essentially the rough draft of jurassic park because it's about a theme park gone wrong mm. written by the same guy right but um the uh, the original movie has that idea of like an amusement park where you you go you, it's like role playing and acting like theater tropes right that's the it used a lot of those um and it, you know it was, it was ahead of its time in the way it portrayed some of that stuff in re- relation to video games but it didn't really use video game language because it didn't exist in 1972, I think it was. Right, yeah. Um, but what's interesting about the new series is it uses so many gaming tropes and concepts. Um, but again, it's, it's telling it's the same kind of thing. It just is through the lens of gaming, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people have sort of taken note of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's remember? like... Oh, go oh. ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ultimate VR. Right. Yes. And interestingly, like VR... It's like, well, what do you do, right? Because the show talks about like narratives that you follow, like like you know quests and stories, but it includes things like shootouts. But you can't get hurt because you're a real person on a in a real place, and so you couldn't, you can't respawn somewhere, you know, back. You can't respawn back in the in the you know at the saloon because they did this game. This show does not have teleporters, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks down a little bit in an interesting way. Um, like I don't mind that so much as a, a watcher, but I kind of wonder like. It, uh, all the gaming conventions, that's something that they brought to it because this is a generation of, of creative people who like, are just familiar with those things and they bring it to it naturally, in which case I'll just be like, okay, fine, that's the language we use. Or is it something they did deliberately, in which case I think they should have tried a little harder. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, there was that one part uh, they, they picked up the gun. It's like a, a level up thing. He's like, oh, a new weapon. <laughs> that was kind of funny when they did that in the thing. Um, yeah, there's tons of little moments like that yeah. where it's like I recognize that from whichever insert game here, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the one of the biggest things that I I thought was really interesting is, and this relates a lot more to the storytelling in the show, and I, where I think they do a really good job using gaming metaphors, which is you have certain players, certain guests who come to the park, and they are playing themselves, right? They have their own sense of morality. They're they're they're, and then they take that and they become a character in this place. So. Yeah. Uh, our, you know, sort of our main hero is like this, where he, you know, he comes in as he is, and then the place changes him, and he takes it seriously. And when one of the, the, you know, the robots is in trouble, he treats them like a human being, right? That's role playing. Mm-hmm. And then you have other players, like the, you know, the the um, the mysterious man in black, 
and uh, you know that the jerk that our hero comes along to the park with, mm-hmm. who just are like, "This is a game. I'm gonna do, <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna break the rules." And it's funny because those are, I mean, that is definitely two types of video game players, right? And it, it, what's funny is, from a narrative sense, particularly if you're not someone who's very familiar with these kind of gaming conventions, is you you look at the jerk that came along with our hero. That's just his name now, and <laughs> and you're like, that guy's evil. But all he's done is break robots. Yeah. Right. In fact, I mean, he's. I mean, how many game, video game players do you know who just mow down people in Grand Theft Auto? You wouldn't call them morally deficient. But the show, because it lives entirely in this world, is portrayed some of that. And I, I really hope that they do take that convention and uh, subvert the expectations. I would like to see some of these jerks in this park turn out to just be wonderful people. They're just playing a video game. I don't know if they'll go there, but I, I, I'm really attached to that as a narrative, like. Drive. It's like you know, is it important to role play, or is it you know, or is it any worse to play this game to you know to find the edges, to break the rules, to find the maze, right? Mm, yeah. Like, is that is that any less valid of a way, or or you know, that morality does it apply to the real world? Because none of what we see is the real world. Yeah, I'm right? hoping they, I'm hoping they go over something like that, but I I feel like they won't have time. There's only a few episodes, and they already <laughs> have all these stupid. Uh, different things that they need to go over. <laughs> from yeah, here. I know. yeah. Talking about this, I realized that like this is really just a fraction of the nonsense the show has delivered. Yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, um, you should. I mean, check it out. At least a couple episodes. Yeah, get pulled in, especially if you're especially for game dev because there's a lot of that stuff. It, it, it's it actually is pretty interesting looking at it from a game deving or game deving lens because yeah, it, you like pick up on like the the. Because they talk about, a lot about how uh, the people have worked on the this the Westworld. Uh, that's half of the characters are really focused on that, and so like there's this one narrative guy who spends forever and a day working on this like AAA story or whatever. And then uh, the guy, his uh, his um, overhead was like, uh, no, this isn't gonna work. People want to go into the game to experience their own stories or something. I think that's pretty much what he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. people have people behind the scenes have different motivations. Yeah. Right. Which is, is sort of, I think a little bit behind the scenes of a game company. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like, Oh, I guess that's spoilery. Never mind. Lay it on. Go for it. It's okay. Well, like the, the same narrative guy that spends like a, so long making this huge long cutscene speech thing and then somebody comes along and kills his main character right. and then no one ever sees the story. I've ever heard this great speech and yeah. then no one, ever, yeah, it's, yeah. How good of a game designer is he then, right? Like, right, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, this is the exact same thing that happens in video games. But I will say, like, you know, if you're a game dev, this is an interesting show, uh, not just to like, oh, that's an interesting thing. I mean, it's, it's sort of candy in that sense. It's like mm-hmm. fun to notice these things, but also to see how they weave uh, the narrative of the series using those concepts because i think that's valuable information for a game developer is to to you know that there there is a difference between mechanics and story but like a really like a classic doesn't know the difference Mm -hmm. right it like weaves them together and i would i'm not saying westworld does that but like it it because it's a tv show it sort of has to get closer to it than a lot of games know that they have to i think Mm -hmm. yeah i suppose in in this game the the mechanics and the story work out in sync perfectly well because it's almost real life so it it, I mean, they, I guess they didn't have to work too hard on that. <laughs> also, it you know, there's no player agency. It's a, it's a, it's got a script, so yeah. they have a little bit of advantage that we don't necessarily. <laughs> True. All right. Well, let's take a break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about crafting systems. <laughs> nice. I'm excited for this topic. Sounds cool. All right, we're back, 
And uh, Stephen, I hear, is excited for this topic. I am. Martha, what's this topic? This topic is crafting systems in games and what you might want to think about when making a crafting system. Uh, I thought of this topic because, uh, well, it's a sad thing, but my grandpa died this past week. And I was thinking about, like, what if he had been a millennial, what kind of video games would he have played? And uh, I thought Fallout 4 definitely came to mind because he liked to, like, find trash and then turn it into things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so then I was like, oh, we should talk about crafting systems. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, what are some great crafting systems in games that you've liked? And mm. Okay, that's a good question. That's going to be harder for me to come up with. Steven, why don't you take this one? <laughs> sure. Um, well, I, I don't generally craft too much in my games because uh, I, gen- I find them tedious a lot of time, especially like in uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim where you have to go to a crafting station. You have to take all of this crap that you've gathered, um, I don't know, for an hour because you've just been running from place to place, and then you have to take it to a specific shop and then craft it. Or find it out there in the world and you don't know where they're at. And so a lot of the times you're just carrying like 30 or 50 weight or whatever of crap that you don't have any use for until you mix it into a potion. But I like the way they did it in Oblivion because you had uh, mortar and pestle with you all the time. So whenever you had something, you could pick it up and go, oh, this is interesting. And you mix it with something else. You're like, oh, I found troll fat. And I can mix it with these red flowers. And boom, I got healing potion or whatever. And it was nice. Um, so I, I prefer it to be not tedious <laughs> um, <laughs> we're talking about crafting systems yeah. though. <laughs> hey <laughs> um i mean i don't know it, part of it is exploration the way oblivion i believe the way oblivion did it it's been a long time since i played that game but um i believe they did it by you having four different or each each ingredient had four different um, possibility potions that you can make with it but you had to combine it with something else but you didn't know that what ingredient or what uh, what uh, property you get from the ingredient until you mix it with something that is has the same property. So, like, if you had red flowers, I don't remember what was in the game. If you had red flowers and then it had healing, thing, you wouldn't know that unless you mixed it with something else that had healing. And so oh. it was, part of it was a discovery thing. Kind of like if you're just traveling in the world in a map and you don't know where you're going and you end up finding a cave and it has all this depth of story and uh, cool enemies to fight and stuff like that. They kind of t- or they tie that kind of feel into the crafting system in that game, and it worked out really well. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think the problem I have with crafting systems, like writ large, mm-hmm. is it's essentially like a list of instructions. Mm. And like I'm, I'm a read the manual kind of guy. So like you think <laughs> I'd be into that, but oh man, but that sounds great. Like you know to, that it is, it's a mystery object, and you know that panic of like, do I throw this away or do I hold on to it so I can use it? Not that I'm like super excited about that being worse, but like that gives it some some like meaning yeah right instead of just like how many slots do you have yeah yeah it, it felt really nice um but yeah i they, they kind of screwed it up for me in skyrim because you had to haul all of that stuff over there so even if you had like found this really fancy daedra heart or whatever you'd still have to bring it all the way back and by the time you got there you forgot you had it and, and then you end up selling it <laughs> and then you end up selling it yeah and <laughs> It was yeah. It wasn't it wasn't as well executed in my opinion, or at least I didn't like it as much. So I'm hearing like, if you have have a way to actually do the crafting on the fly, as opposed to having to go to a specific location in this open world to go do the crafting, then it's a lot 
less tedious and yeah. more fun. Yeah, and plus the, that uh, sense of exploration that you got from, or that I got from Oblivion uh, was really nice. And it, 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 it caused me to like think about doing it. Because I've definitely seen crafting, like Minecraft and in Terraria and uh, Starbound and things. Those don't really appeal to me because you have you, your instructions. Like, like Mark said, there's an instructions list. You have to gather 50 gold to make, uh, I don't know, gold-plated chair. I don't remember what they have. Um, but <laughs> well, in Minecraft, like, they don't actually tell you how to make stuff. Oh. You have to figure it out. But normal, like, like, there's so many guides online that everyone has, like, you can just go read it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. if you wanted to, you, you could go, like, go through and try to put stuff in different, um, like, parts of the crafting table to see if you can get different things. Mm, okay. Okay, that's interesting. But, like, do you, are just there a certain, like, there's a, is there a number that you have to put of certain object or to get something? Like, if you put five gold bars in something... Plus chair, do you get gold chair, or do you have to put one gold bar in that chair to get it? Um, yeah, I guess there's a it um, number matters, and also placement in this grid okay. of things. So, like, you can have like um, I'm not going to remember the num- certain numbers, but like like two stone and four iron or something. If you put it in one configuration, you'll get a sword. If you put it in another configuration, you'll get a axe. If you put it in another, you'll get a like a shovel. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the thing that was excited me most of it. I mean, I'm like not eight years old, so like I'm not into Minecraft. Mm. Hey, <laughs> I know, I know. No, I, that's I didn't mean that. Um, but, you know, I when I when I tried it, you know, low these many years ago, the thing that the only the only thing that I thought was interesting and unique about it, but it really excited me was that kind of crafting thing where you had this little grid. And you have to sort of like, it's almost like putting it together with Legos, which is very to the aesthetic of the game, which is, so it fits perfectly in that sense. And it is a bit of a puzzle. Like, I thought that was really fascinating. And I'm actually surprised that, I mean, has any game really could have copied that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, mechanic? Because it's, it's really interesting. And I never hear people talk about that being a really interesting part of Minecraft. But it's the thing that really caught me. Huh. Hmm. I, yeah, I've, I've never, I've, I played Minecraft only a little bit and it didn't interest me. But that does sound pretty interesting to be able to like the, the, the configurations you do determines how the item comes out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And that's, it's some kind of, it's, it's a form of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I, I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very Lego. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. You're building these things on an even lower resolution than, yeah. <laughs> than the game itself. That's, it's really cool. I, I just super unique and I'm, I'm shocked. Nobody's copied it. Well, if, if listeners, if you know of any games that do have yeah. this, feel free to tweet at us and tell us about them because we'd love to In all discover caps. them. In all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we won't read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so, um, so can I complain about No Man's Sky yet? Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to ask you. Go for it. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so everyone hates No Man's Sky, uh, but those people are annoying. I thought it was great. I still hate it, but <laughs> like. I mean, everything everyone said about it is, is, is true. And so for people who aren't familiar with the game, it's a sort of procedurally generated universe. And um, you go from planet to planet, you mine resources to you know, upgrade your ship to, get to you know, power your warp drive to get further into the center of the galaxy. That is its only goal. It is, has very light story touches, a little world building. 
um, the the awe of it is just this amazing procedural generation system where just it's you know quintillions of planets. You'll never see one uh, the same twice. But because of that, you'll see a lot of the same types of things. Mm. So it, you know, it can get tedious and it is very exhausting. It's also very addicting, right? But the thing about it that drove me absolutely crazy is this crafting system, which it you certainly you're you have a backpack and a ship, and they have s- slots. You have X number of slots. You can fill them with materials. Each slot holds X number of any material, and then you build stuff out of any of those materials. So it's pretty standard stuff, but you never have enough slots for what you do, and you are given the instructions for almost anything. So as soon as you unlock the ability to craft something, you are told what it takes to craft it. Mm. And so, but before that, you can't craft it, mm. even if you have those things. Mm. So it's very much in, the, in sort of what I was sort of alluding to earlier, where it's just instructions. And so what I ended up doing is I would I'd look at my inventory, and look at my inventory screen for like five minutes and like do the math. I'm like, okay, I'm on a planet, a lot of plutonium, so I don't need to worry about that. I'll throw some of that away. All right, there, there might be emerald on this planet, so okay, I need, I need 500 for that. And I know that when I warp to the next system, I'm probably going to lose the, my, you know, it's, my warp drive is going to break, and so I need this much then. And so like, you do all this like, ahead-of-time planning that is not fun, and it's not a game. <laughs> oh. and, and, then, and then I know what I'm going to do. I'm like, okay, I need this much you know, iridium, I need this much plutonium, I need this much this, right? And that, okay, I've got my mission that I've set for myself, that's what I'm going to do. But I, I don't write it down on a post-it. I just like, <laughs> I know this one would do. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like warping three planets forward. I don't find any of the stuff I'm looking for, which is fine. That's sort of how the game's supposed to work. And then I'm done. I, I, I shut it down. I, I, I go do whatever the rest of my life entails. And I come back to it. I've forgotten what my, uh, my goal was. And so I have to relearn what, okay, what am I missing? Because it's not super obvious. And it's just like the utter tedium of it. And not just like, the, like managing your slots, which is like annoying enough. Um, but it is just following those instructions, and there's no way to keep it all straight. Mm. And but even still, it is a very addicting game. <laughs> I'm, you know, I think the whole world is like kind of crapped all over it. You know, partly because expectations are so high. Um, this isn't that. I'm just this very specific thing is utter garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish they had done better because it felt like they, all the parts were there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, Martha. What? Oh. Who does it right? Like what? Oh. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh. Who does it right, Martha? What? Oh. No, who us. does it right? <laughs> Well, I think if I think that it depends on your motivation as a player. Okay. Because uh, some people really like discoverability, uh, like you're saying. Yeah. So having it that your crafting system is mysterious, and you are trying to—that's part of the game—is trying to figure out what you put together, what are the recipes, what can I combine with what to make things. Um, there's a mobile game that I'm playing that's called Little Alchemy, mm. and it's literally just a crafting system. Oh, huh. that's right. It's, it's kind of like, doodle, have you played Doodle God? Uh-uh. Okay, it's like when you just have a couple of things, or you have like a bunch, like four different ingredients, like fire, water, and you mix them together, and you get, yes, yes. yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so the whole game is, is just combining things and seeing what they make, and like, oh, does this work, does this work? And sometimes they'll give you little hints like, oh, try to make a moon, or try to make cheese, or something like that to just like jumpstart you or you can go online and like find all the answers but the whole fun of the game is to uh discover what the what the recipes yeah are. i played that game for quite a bit but then eventually it got to the point where the ingredient or the the things you were mixing together didn't make a lot of sense uh i don't remember the kinds of things but like i think you had to like combine two beetles together to get the beetles oh yeah that kind of stuff <laughs> It, like it wasn't as like the, the 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 later ingredients weren't as intuitive to come up sure. with. 
And so I didn't get into it as, or I wasn't as into it at that point. And so then you just like end up guessing, ran, like going, yes. like, does it combine with this? No. Does it combine yeah. with this? No. Does it combine with this? I'm not even looking at it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that kind of that kind of discovery is something that isn't really. I find it isn't really in most crafting systems, which is really a shame. Like I feel like they dropped the ball on No Man's Sky. Yeah. Uh, because they they have the opportunity, and like that whole game is about exploration and discovery, mm-hmm. and yet their crafting system is just the shopping cart list. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. They a just... shopping cart list. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. A shopping cart list combined with not being able to see the whole shopping cart list. Yeah. yeah. I think. Really? Yes. That is a problem. <laughs> That's one thing that I've, uh, when I was thinking about this, is another thing, like choice that you can make. Like, do you give every if you if you give people recipes, do you give them all the recipes and then you just have to find all the ingredients, right. or like like um, Starbound does that, where you can see like all the things you can craft, and then you just have to go find all the stuff yeah. you want, uh, versus a No Man's Sky or. Um, like the food recipes in Stardew Valley are like that, where right. you can kind of, like you can't make it until you get the recipe. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you end up wasting stuff because you don't know it's valuable. You like know. I have the things, I know I have the knowledge. Let <laughs> exactly. me use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the game you guys are talking about that where you know the, like a game that's just crafting. Mm-hmm. Like that reminds me of an even simpler game that despite my insistence that crafting systems are garbage and I hate them all is uh, Little Inferno. Oh, a little inferno. Okay. Which is, I mean, it's essentially a clicker. Like, there's not much to it, mm-hmm. but it has the same kind of I thing where you have inventory and you, you know, you you, you consume the items yeah. and it's, and there's certain combinations and it's a little puzzly, but it's it's actually it's, it's actually more it's more narrative than puzzle really. Mm. Um, and I liked that a lot, partly because it kind of it presented itself to me honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I suppose when I was playing Little Inferno, I didn't exactly find it fun. You <laughs> sort of just went through the motions at a point. I suppose. Well, I mean, that's I guess that's what I'm like. I didn't mind that. Yeah, you know, and it, it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't like dishonest about it or anything. And yeah, it was there was a little bit of that discovery crafting thing because they gave you like a. Uh, uh, what was it like an achievement sort of thing mm-hmm. and like you had to like combine two toys in a certain way and burn them together or something in order to get the right yeah, thing going yeah. uh, which was kind of cool some, it felt a little tedious to me too because some of those mm-hmm. weren't intuitive to me yeah I suppose we just uh, it sounds to me though that really a lot of crafting and a lot of the fun of crafting is this discovery part so mm-hmm. don't just give people a list of things to do give them something to experiment with that's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice note to go out on, unless, Martha, you had any other questions or uh, pieces of wisdom you wanted us to get through? Uh, I guess if you do give people the list, give. it seems like, in our opinion, that you should give them the whole list and let them do the whole list right away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't limit them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and let them craft on the go. That's <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Don't make them go to a station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, another problem solved by the Nice Games Club. <laughs> yes. We're on a roll, man. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm really excited about. Uh, what's that, Stephen? Designing games for non-gamers. Ooh, I'm excited. We'll talk about that in a moment. Stay tuned. I think they're playing jazz music downstairs. Oof. I kind of excited. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I'm going to be extra distracted. <laughs> All right, guys, we just got back from our jazz intermission, which was <laughs> was a two-week <laughs> intermission. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. For our listeners, you may have heard it in the last segment. Uh, we're right above a bar that uh, 
plays music uh, every night, and we are not great schedulers, so <laughs> <laughs> we we double booked the airspace basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took we took a break, we sat down, we recomposed. Took us two weeks, but we're back now uh, for our third segment. Yes. Right? Um, before we get into it, though, there actually has been some updates in the last two weeks <laughs> to topics that there was in a show. Yeah. Uh, one is that Westworld has it, had its season finale. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to say about that it, other than just to keep everyone up on that fact, I guess. Yeah, it, it, was, it was good. It was good. It was good. It, uh, it has a lot of problems, but it was very good. Yes. I like it a lot, and I cannot wait for 2018 for it to come back. Yeah. Martha, yeah. did you catch up? No, but I, I, uh, <laughs> I got a summary. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing was uh, No Man's Sky, which um, we were whining about last segment, uh, got a big update uh, looking to correct a lot of the sort of well-known issues of it. And uh, just from the looks of it, it looks like they're making good progress and it seems like there'll be more to come. So good on them for, you know, uh, staying on that horse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad it, it, it got an update, even though the developers hadn't been communicating too yeah. much. but. And really, they could have just taken their ball and gone home with yeah. all the hate they got online. Yeah. Like, so know. they're doing something about it. Yeah, to their credit. And it takes time. Yep, absolutely. Go team! <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, well, let's get into our last segment. Yes. Um, so, this is my topic. I am curious how you design games for non-gamers. So, I mean, we don't have to like literally define non-gamers, but basically somebody... I was just going to say, could you for me define <laughs> non-gamer? <laughs> um... I, I guess I'm really just thinking of non-gamer as somebody who just doesn't really play games mm-hmm. or maybe just plays a few on their phone, but not very frequently and is not really into them. Um, and maybe not doesn't define themselves as a gamer. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are some people who play... Um, fish game. Fish game. Yes. So, yeah, they play a ton of fish game, but uh, they don't... Oh, Rapala. Is that what you meant yeah. by fish game? <laughs> they play a ton of Rapala. They play a ton of Rapala, but they um like maybe a, a two or three hours a day, but they don't identify themselves as gamers. They're, that's well, also like uh, everybody's mom, right? Yeah, like right. I mean the cliche anyway. Like my hey. mom plays words words with friends mm-hmm. and like a lot, and she's great at it. Yeah, but she would never. She'd look at you sideways if you called her a gamer. Right, right. So. Maybe somebody who plays a couple of games on their phone every once in a while, but gets bored of them right away. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you guys feel. I, I feel like it's a difficult topic for me because I'm so ingrained in video games. So I, I know what I like, but I don't know what other people like. Um, I mean, other people who wouldn't, who wouldn't play games. Um, I've asked, or I've gotten opinions on games from, um, people in the past like my grandma for example Mm -hmm. she uh suggested i make a uh, knitting game where like you have to sit there and put the uh the uh you have the needle and you have to put the thread in there um and like that would be part of the game and then you would just sit there knit one pearl two (laughs) (laughs) not super exciting but um well it could be like pacross yeah yeah right? right but i love that game yeah um but i wonder that the way that we traditionally design games is part of the reason why people are so um where some people are so afraid of trying to play them Mm -hmm. maybe like gamifying things and making them more fun is an issue for some people do you guys feel maybe that's the case yeah like do you think that's generational i mean martha of all of us you have your family is more involved in games than i say any of the rest of our family Mm -hmm. would be so you probably have a different perspective on whether it's generational or not yeah i mean my dad made video games and likes games uh and my mom has 
had to warm up to them. <laughs> um, but I was think when you said grandparents, I was thinking um, when it, we, my brother got a vibe and we brought it to Easter or something, and we tried to get my grandma to put it on, and oh, she was wow. like, "Ah, hickey." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how to. I mean, it could be a, a generational thing. Definitely, that's a factor. Mm-hmm. But if you were a geek when you were a young person in whatever era, like um, at least with like tech computers in general, I know my boyfriend's grandfather was like super into computers back when they were first starting, like in, oh, or like first starting to be home computers and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so like talking, I bet he would be more open to playing video games and stuff than the average older person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that seems to make sense. Maybe, yeah, the, um, the way that people were raised back then uh, determines a lot about whether or not you would be interested in uh, the kinds of games we have now. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but maybe, it, maybe it's just, I, I feel like it might possibly just be that we're designing games for gamers mm-hmm. and not for everyone sure sure and so uh, but i don't i don't i guess i i i'm not the one to answer the question i'm just bringing <laughs> it up i i feel like there must be something we're missing when we're making a game that isn't um allowing or that isn't uh gaining the interest of the general population sure sure and there's probably there's lessons to be learned from you know popular blue ocean successes like the wii right mm-hmm. or mobile games yeah um, that sort of appeal to a broader audience. And so the, really the question you're asking is like, how do we as indie devs without a bunch of market research people, like <laughs> how, do, how do we approach that as a problem? And yeah. I, I can say for myself, I don't, I kind of am fatalist about it. Like I, I'll, I'll make a game kind of for myself. And, and if that biases my audience to people who are like me, then so be it, mm. I suppose. I mean, that's not really a good answer, but I feel like it just keeps me like sort of focused. I, I, it's, I, it's just a long way of saying it. I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. Oh yeah, that, right? that's that's totally fair. I mean, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that I think that a lot of people just kind of fall into that mindset. It's yeah. like they want to design a game that they would want to play, but most of the people making games are the ones who are playing them, and sure. so they've been reinforcing the same ideas over and over again. And I'm wondering, maybe if like you were to bring a movie producer who doesn't play games um, into the mix and have them try to design or come up with ideas for a game, whether or not that game would turn out completely differently. Right. Right. Like that, that's kind of a curious thing. I wonder, I wonder how that would, how that would turn out. Mm-hmm. Like you get, I don't know who's, who's the famous movie producer. I don't know any. Okay. Well, <laughs> some random guy, random guy in Hollywood, right. Uh, make a game for us. How would, how would that game turn out? Well, I actually, there is an example of that. Oh, in that, um, EA uh, years ago uh, contracted Steven Spielberg to put his name on things. Oh, and they, the only one I think that was released to any acclaim or any notice was Boom Blocks. Oh, remember I remember that. Yeah, that game was awesome. <laughs> but I don't think he had anything to do with it. Mm. I really don't know. Yeah, but like, uh, I mean, that's an interesting qu- equation too. It's like, uh, particularly with the Wii, it's like you were trying to chase that wider audience, mm-hmm. and so that's why getting someone like Spielberg to be involved in some capacity. But I think the way you're describing it is like, like in a playtest environment, right? Is getting feedback from other perspectives. That that's part right? of it. That's so, part of it. So tell us about Fingence. Like when you demo Fingence, like I've seen kids, I've seen older people play that game, mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, is this part of why it's sort of on your mind is like how you want to gear Fingence for a wider audience? Well, uh, no, actually, I, I think Fingence, <laughs> the way that the, the game is designed, it's, it's just not going to work like that. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, that is part of why we designed it the way we did, uh, because fin- I, I've described Fingence on this podcast before, right? If not, um, it's <laughs> for those a, of you who missed it, <laughs> yeah, it's a side scrolling shoot 'em up that's also cooperative. Um, and so people who play take on roles. Some players uh, play as like a tank character. Other players may play as like a support healing character. Um, and so we've designed the game to be that way, um, partly because uh, shoot 'em ups are so difficult to get into right away, mm-hmm. even for regular gamers. Yeah. Um, and so having that cooperative aspect, somebody you can rely on while you're playing the game, allows it to be more um, engaging for people who aren't as. Uh, uh, who don't play as intense kind those intense kind of games? Yeah, yeah, um. So that's part of it, but I don't think it's going to like ever reach a mainstream audience. Sure, because, sure. Or by mainstream, I mean like the general populace, because it's it's very intense and flashy, and there's a whole bunch of crap going on on the screen. So <laughs> it's it's never going to reach that point. But I I I, I was reading an article about this before, mm-hmm. and it um, I guess it just opened my eyes. Like it. I I do feel like if we ever wanted to reach a broad audience like movies or books have, um, we would have to change our way of viewing how we design games in order to accommodate that audience. Um, and maybe that's just not a point we're at right now with video games, the, the community in general. We just don't want to do that right now, which is totally fair. Because, uh, I mean, you're still making a ton of money. Call of Duty is really big. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wonder if we're missing out on something by not a- attempting it at the very least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's about bringing games to a wider audience is a, go- a goal in and it of itself, right? Yeah. Rather than not, this isn't the sell to more people. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah, right? just just get more people it, at least to take video games semi-seriously mm-hmm. and not just completely ignore it. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the problems is it's been sort of like stigmatized or whatever where people are like oh nerds play that like nerds play video games yeah. i'm not a nerd they do so. i've heard that though <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like like when you're saying like oh people play mobile games and stuff i think more people are interested in games than they than think they're interested in games mm-hmm. so you try like yeah i guess it would be a different market research thing to get the the people who are into games but don't know that they're into games and the people who have tried it and are like no not for me <laughs> yeah you know it's an interesting parallel to that, that kind of approach it's like something like paintball right oh like i would say i like paintball but i've only ever done it twice and it's always like a it's a it's a it's out of my routine and that's part of what i like about it mm. so maybe there's an audience of people who like the games that we make for them are the people who only play games three times a year. And is, is that an audience worth reaching? Not just from a market perspective, but like, is that an audience just worth serving um, outside of sort of the casual mobile environment? Right. And what, what do you do in your game to service that audience who is not, they might even, they might not have enough patience for anything past a tutorial. Right for one, for one session, and then they'll forget by the next time the time they come back to it. Maybe the game is the tutorial. Maybe it teaches you how to do something. Sure, and that and that maybe is a way to get people into it. Like maybe we make some kind of 
Mario teaches typing sort of thing, right? but probably better than that. <laughs> um, and maybe that just gets people interested because they're like, well, I want to learn how to type stuff. And so they try the game. That might, that, that might be a way of doing it. I wonder how like gamifying other things to bring those gaming ideas to it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I I wonder how like candy crush. Now I can think of it. Candy crush saga. (laughs) How, how that has gotten such a mainstream appeal or Mm -hmm. angry birds or flappy bird. Now that I think about it, right. Um, all of those games, I mean, they're all simple. Um, some of them are more, uh, Skinner boxy than others, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, there, I mean, it's they still had very wide uh, mainstream appeal, and mm-hmm. people who I've never, who I never would have thought to be playing video games, were playing this game. Yeah. Um, oh, that could be one of the things. Then is like simpler controls that, that someone could figure out and not put a lot of investment in. Yeah. Because maybe the people who are like, oh, I don't, I've tried video games, I don't like them, are just don't want to put in the amount of time it takes to get like the technical ability to do first person shooters or whatever. But, and there's a difference there between learning a control scheme and learning the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So like arcade, like old school arcade games, I mean, the controls are as simple as you can make them because there wasn't a lot of options. And those are some of the hardest games ever made. And I mean, they're supposed to they eat your quarters. That's the point of it. <laughs> but like, so simplifying controls doesn't mean, you know, making a, a game that's easier. Right or making a game that's dumbed down or anything, right? And so it's a question of that balance, right? Like if you're designing, are you designing your game for non-gamers or are you designing your game for everyone, including non-gamers? Mm. Like, can you do both of those things? That this is a good question. Well, I I'd imagine if the game was good, anyone would be interested in it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I have to see this game <laughs> to know. Well, they say that about War and Peace. It's a great book. <laughs> I'm never going to read it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's very similar. I, this is a, it's a top, it's a difficult question to answer. Perhaps outside the realm of a single nice games club. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a topic we'll have to revisit. Yeah. That's a super good yeah, idea. Yeah. All right. Well, unsolved for now. We'll, we'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. It's incredibly important for a new show like this to get noticed, so spread the word. Uh, we also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things, at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as all the links and notes from this episode at NiceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. downstairs like <laughs> yeah it's jazz so they're in it the- well it's- we played this song in in, in- yeah this is um da um i know the name dum dun 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 yes it's 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 by oh my goodness i don't remember watermelon Herbie Man? Hancock. Yes. yes no yes it's watermelon yes it is watermelon Man. i'm pretty sure it is. it's one of them yes. but anyway yeah <laughs> this song is good crap they're grooving too
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.